0: Welcome to Healthline 3. Today we are talking with board certified rheumatologist Dr. Robert Goodman of the Arthritis and Rheumatology Clinic here in Shreveport about fibromyalgia. Dr. Goodman will take an in depth look at the latest information about fibromyalgia for the next half hour and will also answer viewer questions. Thank you so much for joining us, Dr. Goodman.
1: Glad to be here, Jade.
0: And just on this note, Doctor Goodman will give an overview of fibromyalgia for the first 10 minutes of our simulcast. Then make sure you are in a quiet room with your TV turned down all the way down before making your call. The number to call is 318-219-4569. And be sure to call us in about 10 minutes. All about fibromyalgia. Well, Doctor Goodman, tell us what is fibromyalgia?
1: Well, Jade, fibromyalgia is probably the most common cause of musculoskeletal pain that is not, I repeat, not inflammatory. We think fibromyalgia is more of a neurologic uh, form of musculoskeletal pain. It occurs in about 3% of the population in the United States, which is about 10 million people.
0: That sounds like a lot, so it it is somewhat common then.
1: It is uh, uh, fairly common and it's even more common in certain subsets of patients. Women tend to get fibromyalgia more than men. People who have sleep apnea and other sleep disturbances that is obstructive airway disease can also get fibromyalgia. And um, a lot of researchers in traditional rheumatic diseases, traditional inflammatory diseases like rheumatoid arthritis and lupus also identify that there are a significant subset of their patients, uh, for example, that have rheumatoid arthritis that also have fibromyalgia. That is, they have some of their symptoms, uh, a lot of their symptoms can be treated with traditional anti-inflammatory approaches. And those anti-inflammatory approaches in modern times for rheumatoid arthritis include medicines like Enbrel, medicines like Humira. And a person can be doing really well with their rheumatoid arthritis disease. And we rheumatologists examine their joints and the number of swollen joints. We can hardly find any swollen joints, but the number of tender joints still remains. So the swelling has gone away, the inflammation has gone away, but the person still has symptoms. And that is seen in about 30% of people with rheumatoid arthritis and 30% of people with lupus. That, it, that type of pain is uh, fibromyalgia pain. In fact, I'm gonna pull up an art, um, just a cover, and I don't, want, I don't expect uh, our viewers to actually be able to uh, read this, but what I'm showing you is the cover of the most prestigious journal in rheumatology. This is called Arthritis and Rheumatism, and on it, it has MRIs of the brain of a person who has rheumatoid arthritis plus they have fibromyalgia and their brain lights up in this functional MRI scan to show that, heck, we are taking care of the inflammation of rheumatoid arthritis, but there's still some symptoms there and we need to address fibromyalgia. I was just at a seminar um, uh, about six weeks ago, the Clinical Conference of Rheumatology, which is in Destin, Florida, And um, the leading expert in the world in lupus, her her name is Michelle Petri, um, said that non-inflammatory pain, and she stepped around the podium, and I watched her, and she said, I'm talking about fibromyalgia folks, um, can be a, a roadblock in getting their lupus patients to their best health. And she had, her talk was, 10 roadblocks in getting lupus patients to feeling better and roadblock number 10 was we need to address fibromyalgia
0: Mm, and we're addressing it today So uh, tell us some of the symptoms for our viewers. What are those who may be wondering if they do have the fibromyalgia?
1: Well, the classic symptoms for fibromyalgia are to have widespread pain, both above and below the waist, and on the right and the left side. And this pain has traditionally been going on uh, a chronic period of time. And in medicine, chronicity or uh, chronic is three months or longer that's uninterrupted. There have been some uh, diagnostic criteria over the years, and those diagnostic criteria uh, have been evolving, but some of those criteria were if I were to touch a patient who might suffer from fibromyalgia and palpate different tender points, that most of those tender points the patient would withdraw because it would be very painful. Um, So um, uh, palpation of tender points that elicits tenderness, Uh, would be uh, one of the other uh, findings of fibromyalgia. And in general, you might also see that I'm not seeing the traditional markers of inflammation. That is, if the person had rheumatoid arthritis and maybe their markers of inflammation, a test called the CEDRAID and a test called the C-reactive protein that might have been four times the upper limits of normal three months ago. Now we have them on good treatments for their rheumatoid arthritis. Now we have them on good treatments for their lupus and their markers of inflammation have come back down to normal and the number of swollen and tender joints have come down to one or zero but we still palpate those areas and the person still hurts and, that, and then when they are asked how's your pain today and it's still a nine or a ten and they are asked how are you doing overall and that's called the patient's global assessment I'm doing terrible And so it can be very frustrating for a rheumatologist to have being treated rheumatoid arthritis or being treated lupus and they still have these, all these symptoms of fibromyalgia are there. And then we need to open the door. We need to um, uh, take empathy and concern about the patient and address fibromyalgia.
0: What impact can fibromyalgia have on a person's daily life?
1: Well, it can make them miserable. I mean, it can, it seems to be that it's a restructuring of the way uh, they perceive pain so that um, a very minor pain to other people will become a significant pain to the patient with fibromyalgia and render them unable to do their activities of daily living, uh, unable to earn a living. Uh, they might be unable to uh, sit. Uh, in a chair and interview somebody. uh, As a reporter, they might be unable to uh, be a physician, unable to be an attorney, unable to be a teacher at school because of these types of um, uh, symptoms.
0: Wow. So it can affect a person from having a job, a career?
1: Well, we want to try to prevent that. We want to try to help them to have better health and some of that is making sure that we have identified all of their rheumatic diseases i often say i wish there was a law that says you can only get have one cause of your musculoskeletal pain but unfortunately you can have wear and tear arthritis known as osteoarthritis and you can have fibromyalgia you can have lupus and you can have fibromyalgia as dr michelle petri uh, as pointed out to us. You can have rheumatoid arthritis and also have fibromyalgia. And you can have other uh, symptoms as well. Some of those other symptoms are tension headaches, irritable bowel syndrome, POTS disease, which is uh, uh, postural orthostatic uh, tachycardia syndrome. And, and so those, all of these other symptoms can occur in this uh, set of patients. They often uh, receive frustration, from their healthcare workers, uh, and and we're all busy, uh, and sometimes we let that frustration show through so there's a a hunger out there to get some better treatments for fibromyalgia.
0: And sometimes this could be the hard part, right? How how is fibromyalgia diagnosed?
1: Well, it's diagnosed based on finding the symptoms of widespread pain both above and below the waist, and then it has had diagnostic criteria that have evolved over the past several years. Some of those diagnostic criteria have included palpating um, nine pairs of tender points scattered throughout the body and finding that the patient withdraws from your touch as a result of touching those tender points. uh, is an older uh, diagnostic criteria for fibromyalgia that has been it, it's still used but it's sort of been supplanted a little bit because it underestimated the number of men that also had fibromyalgia uh, so as you make that diagnosis and and it's not a diagnosis of exclusion so you may diagnose somebody with fibromyalgia and they also also have some of these other diseases and then you treat both diseases and so in a a 12-minute office visit the doctor is faced with let me manage your lupus but oh my gosh I've also got to manage your fibromyalgia
0: mm. well tell us that we, I mean we've been talking about you know lupus and fibromyalgia and arthritis can you tell us the the differences between arthritis and fibromyalgia specifically
1: uh, sure the inflammation the suffix itis or itis on the end of a medical word means inflammation so if the joint is inflamed it is arthritis if the skin is inflamed it is dermatitis if our, the back of our throat our pharynx is inflamed it's a pharyngitis if an inflammation is the migration of the white blood cells into a joint or tissue uh, or part of the body that those white blood cells are migrating in there and they're setting up this inflammatory response that we would see with the naked eye. And if you have an inflamed joint, it will be red. It will be swollen. It will uh, be warm to the touch so that the inflammation, if the skin here is 93 degrees and the skin here is 97 degrees over the joint, then that is warm and then when the doctor moves an inflamed joint, it will hurt. So Hippocrates described those four uh, findings of an inflammation as rubor for red, color for warmth from our root word caloric, tumor meaning swollen, and dolar means when you move the joint, it hurts. So that is an inflamed joint. If you have a joint that is tender, that has dolar, but it does not have redness, rhubarb, it doesn't have warmth, color, and it doesn't have swelling, uh, tumor, if it only has the pain, then that might be a non-inflammatory pain. Fibromyalgia is a classic non-inflammatory pain. But I'll give you another classic non-inflammatory pain. If a soldier was in uh, Desert Shield or Desert Storm and they stepped on a landmine in Afghanistan or in Iraq and they lost their limb, the limb's gone. The uh, limb was taken off in Fallujah or in Kandahar, and they have pain where the limb used to be. There's no inflammation. That is a form of neuropathic pain. Mm -hmm. Another form of neuropathic pain, if somebody had if you had shingles or chickenpox virus three months ago, you would have the chickenpox virus living in your nerve and it would grow and expand and then it would pop out on the skin and cause a very painful neurologic symptom. A few months later, the inflammation from the shingles, from the chickenpox virus, is gone, but people have pain after shingles. That is called post herpetic neuralgia or PHN, and that is for a form of neuropathic pain. A third and the most common form of neuropathic pain is if you imagine the person's foot who is a diabetic, and they've had diabetes for 10 or 15 years compared to the foot of somebody who's not had diabetes, and they will get capillary dropout. And if my 10 fingers represent the capillaries going to a square millimeter of somebody's toe, Um, And if you get capillary dropout, and now you're down to six capillaries where you used to have 10, that would be a decrease in the perfusion of the bloodstream to the foot. And that can happen in diabetics. When that happens, the nerves in the foot don't know how to send a message, I'm not getting enough blood flow. The nerves in the foot send a neurologic message ouch, that hurts, or I feel like my skin is crawling like an insect's crawling on my skin. I feel like my skin is burning. I feel like my skin is uh, being cut, uh, being crushed, and that burning, cutting, crushed uh, symptom when you have diabetes is not an inflammatory symptom. It is a neuropathic pain. So diabetic neuropathy, the pain after shingles, uh, uh, phantom pain, and fibromyalgia are three or four types of neurologic or neuropathic pain as opposed to inflammatory pain that might be seen in gout, that might be seen in lupus, and that might be seen in rheumatoid arthritis. Hmm.
0: What causes the nerve pain?
1: What causes the nerve pain in, diabe- in diabetes, we, we know that capillary dropout. What n- causes the nerve pain in, um, in shingles is the damage to the nerve of the chickenpox virus. What causes the nerve pain and fibromyalgia? We don't fully understand, mm-hmm. but we're starting to think that it's due to something, uh, Jay, that is called neuroplasticity. Neuroplasticity means the messages through the nervous system change over time and might become a, uh, a more open uh, nerve pathway as opposed to a more closed nerve pathway. Um, neuroplasticity, a uh, subset of it, if you have more pain, um, uh, neuroplasticity is also called nosoplasticity because nociceptive nerves are some of the uh, the peripheral nerves that it send pain messages.
0: Okay, mm-hmm. we have a caller on the line. Um, Gladys, can you hear me? What is your question?
1: Hello, Gladys.
0: Hello, I just wanted to ask the doctor if to treat it for fibromyalgia? Um,
1: fibromyalgia? Thank you for that question, Gladys. Uh, She's asking, is Cymbalta used to treat fibromyalgia? And the answer is yes. Cymbalta um, uh, is now called duloxetine. Cymbalta was approved, uh, Jade, as an antidepressant in 2003. And then in 2008, it was approved for fibromyalgia. It was marketed from 2003 to 2013. So for those 10 years it was marketed as an antidepressant the last five years it was also marketed for fibromyalgia in the last three years it was marketed for osteoarthritis pain so gladys um, uh, cymbalta uh, is was approved by the fda for depression then for fibromyalgia and then for osteoarthritis the wear and tear type of arthritis and um it Um, is one of um, the most common medicines that is used for fibromyalgia. Uh, Fortunately, in 2013, it went generic, so the price dropped to about four or five bucks, and it is one that is used. Another one that is used, Gladys, um, in, in Cymbalta, is called a serotonin norepinephrine reuptake inhibitor, or also known as an SNRI. Another SNRI was approved for fibromyalgia a couple years later, and that medicine is called Savella. Both Cymbalta and Savella are pretty good medicines. They don't help everyone, but they're worth trying, and they help maybe 40 or 50% of people with fibromyalgia.
0: Thank you, Gladys, for that phone call. Thank you. Thank you very
1: much. One more drug I wanted
0: to ask you, but I can't think of the name of it right
2: now. It's a nerve. I can't think of the name of it
1: um well I'll, I'll mention another one um so cymbalta and savella that uh, your your uh, question prompted and gladys are two medicines that are called serotonin norepinephrine reuptake inhibitors or snris they are both used for fibromyalgia another medicine that is used for fibromyalgia is called uh we used to be called lyrica Lyrica is now called pregabalin. Lyrica was approved in 2003 for diabetic neuropathy that we were just talking about. It was also approved in 2003 for the pain after shingles that is called postherpetic neuralgia. And also in 03, it was used for phantom pain for our brave soldiers that came back from uh, Afghanistan or Iraq who had lost limbs and had pain where the limb used to be. There's no inflammation there. It is a real form of pain, um, uh, but it's because of the the nervous system has a neuroplasticity and causes that pain, and um, a subset of neuroplasticity because pain nerves are called nociceptive nerves. Um, a, t- cur- a coin that is a term that is being coined today is nosa plasticity which means the nociceptive nerves in these types of diseases are causing the pain seem to be the cause of the pain and uh, so Lyrica in 2007 was approved for fibromyalgia and then in 2019 Lyrica went generic and it's called pregabalin so the bottom line is as of today as of June of 2023 there have only been three medicines approved for fibromyalgia: um, Cymbalta, now duloxetine; Savella, that is still generic; Cymbalta and Savella are both SNRIs, and then Lyrica was approved, and it is now called pregabalin, and it is a GABA medication. So they have slightly different mechanisms of action, and what they do is they uh, send messages to our peripheral nervous system that says ignore that pain, it's not that important.
0: Those are some good questions Gladys had.
1: Sure, and it prompted us to, I hope that uh, gives other viewers uh, a little bit more information as well.
0: Absolutely. So only three medications out there for fibromyalgia? Uh,
1: that's three medications that have been approved by the FDA, other medications like a um, uh, Uh, Other muscle relaxers are used, Uh Um, uh, traditional pain medicines are used like Tylenol and Advil and Aleve, Mm -hmm. Um, but uh, the only three that have been approved specifically for fibromyalgia are those three that we mentioned, Mm -hmm. and I think we have another caller.
0: Okay, hello, Nora, thanks for calling. What is your question?
1: Would dog wormer, the one that's got the fenbendazole, or however you pronounce it, be good uh, treatment for cancer? I don't know the answer to that, sir. You mean ivermectin? No, no. Well, that also, yes. Uh, That would be uh, in the same class, I think, as the dog wormer. Uh, um, I don't know how you pronounce that word. Pembendazole or something like that. I, I don't know the answer. I don't know the the answer to that. I'm not a cancer specialist, so I wouldn't dare attempt to answer your question. Well, what I'm getting at is, I understand that cancer is actually a parasite, and ivermectin and that dog would kill the parasite. Well. uh it may sometimes uh, um, i'm i'm not uh, sure that i can speak to that sir uh cancer is usually uh that the cells in a different t- uh, certain tissues of the body have um, uh, gotten out of their control of their normal growth and they overgrow uh, those tissues uh, the no- the most common types of cancers are lung cancer colon cancer and breast cancer um and i'm not sure that any of those medicines for worms can help those cancers all i right. would refer to a uh, hematology oncologist for that uh, approach
0: all right let's move right along now to some more information on fibromyalgia do doctors know what exactly causes fibromyalgia dr
1: goodwin well we really don't know uh, we're starting to get a little bit of a hint in that um, and it seems like in some people there's a change in the way their nervous system perceives pain. For example, when you and I are sitting here and if I have my legs crossed like this, um, what I will do is gradually the weight of my leg will squeeze the capillaries uh, here in my leg and uh, those capillaries get squeezed and the uh tissues downstream will go into a relative ischemia and so i will start getting the burn in the muscles as i'm sitting here for 5 10 15 or 20 minutes and then a pain message says hey you need to move you need to change positions and so we all shift positions Uh, to relieve that relative ischemia. Patients with fibromyalgia. So at some point, the message from our leg that says you're just sitting there comfortably changes into a pain message. And that threshold then causes us to shift around in our chair. In fibromyalgia, those types of thresholds, those messages, those pain messages, break through quicker or at a lower threshold. If I were to press on your skin with the pressure of a sledgehammer, everyone would have pain. But if I press on the patient's skin that has fibromyalgia to about where my I blanch my thumbnail, and that's about four kilograms of pressure, or eight pounds of pressure, that kind of pressure will trigger the pain of fibromyalgia. And I, it's
0: that sensitive, huh?
1: That's, and so it seems like, so that's to my exact point. People with fibromyalgia are more sensitive to the same pain thresholds that the rest of us are.
0: Mm-hmm. And Rose, hello, how are you?
1: Hi, Rose.
0: What is your question? Hi. Uh,
2: my doctor says I have fibromyalgia, and I noticed that if somebody hits me, it's like this pain shoots all through my body.
1: Yes, ma'am. So, Rose, you're sort of describing what Jade and I were just talking about. Um, so how else mm-hmm. does it uh, affect you, Rose?
2: It lasts for about 15 to 20 minutes or sometimes longer, and it's like I try to rub it, and it just won't go away, so I have to take the duloxetine to kind of ease that pain down.
1: Yes, ma'am. So you're on the duloxetine that we were talking about with Gladys, a previous... Uh, uh, a previous caller. Does deloxetine help you, Rose?
2: It does, and also he has me on uh, gabapentin, and yeah. uh, I'm, 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 I'm trying to set a new uh, a n n u p l o l something like that.
1: I'm not sure what else, but gabapentin is a first cousin of Lyrica or pregabalin. And gabapentin Uh was approved a long time ago as a seizure medicine. It never got an official approval for fibromyalgia, but during the 20 years that... Lyrica was still a name brand product. Lyrica cost a lot, and gabapentin was mm-hmm. its inexpensive cousin. So gabapentin is a traditional medicine used for fibromyalgia, as is duloxetine, as is something called mm-hmm. pregabalin. Uh, and are you, uh, Rose? I'll uh, let you inform the other viewers. Are you getting a pretty good result? Do you think fifty or sixty or seventy percent of your symptoms are better, or is it that much? Uh,
2: I would say maybe 50% of it is better,
1: Yes. because, um... So, well, that's encouraging. And so you may look to your doctor who is uh, addressing fibromyalgia, and they might tweak those medications. Uh, It's been my experience that those medicines help 50% or uh, 60%. I wish I could say I have a medicine that makes 100% of people better all the time. Uh, But uh, uh, to paraphrase Abraham Lincoln, you can treat some of the people with fibromyalgia all the time and all of the people some of the time, but you can't treat everybody with fibromyalgia all of the time. Thanks, Uh, Rose, for the call.
0: Yes, that was a great conversation. And I think we have another caller on the line. Hello? Hello?
1: Hello? Hello? go ahead what is your question and who uh give us your name faith is that faith or Faith?
2: Yes. i am, i have fibromyalgia yes sir faith
1: and i is, have what is your question ma'am
2: uh my question is i take the and uh Gabafit.
1: Yes, ma'am, um, uh, and that and, is a, uh, a very common combination. Go ahead. I had I had lupus, but it's in remission right now. But so I'm still having
2: problems to get with with the fibromyalgia.
1: Well, uh, you're the uh, uh, is it Faye? Uh, you're the son of the yes. poster child of the person we were uh, talking about. That your lupus uh, has gotten under better control, but you still have that those symptoms of uh, fibromyalgia and it sounds like uh, you' um, uh, the doctors who are treating you are making some good su- selections um, what do you have yes, sir. are you uh, um what are you on for the lupus uh,
2: right now she doesn't have on anything other than the fib- other than the uh, and the Gabapin.
1: yes ma'am Well, thank you for that call because you just sort of reinforced some of the uh, points that we're trying to make, but uh, um, the director is telling us that we need to go to a wrap up. So thanks, Fay, for your call.
0: Yeah, we've been highlighting a lot of the different medications that uh, people are being prescribed for their fibromyalgia.
1: And and as you can hear, uh, Jade, that it helps some people, but we don't have the the home run hit yet. We don't have the perfect medicine yet. That perfect medicine is out there in the future. I want and I want to let viewers know, you may have fibromyalgia, there is hope, there are things that can be done. We can't treat everybody. We can make many people better, but um, there is, I'm, I'm reading between the lines, I'm sort of reading the tea leaves, as, uh, as people would say, that there's research out there to try to bring new medicines to this market to, to try to get people with fibromyalgia to better health. But it's, it's a bit of a de- medical detective work because sometimes you're treating more than one disease. Sometimes the rheumatologist is treating both rheumatoid arthritis and fibromyalgia. They're treating both lupus and fibromyalgia, osteoarthritis and fibromyalgia, so it requires a bit more time, a bit more patience, and a bit more nuance in treating these diseases.
0: And speaking of time, we're running out of it, but uh, tell us where people can contact you.
1: Well, uh, my office is in Shreveport at 740 Jordan, near downtown, Um, and my phone number is 318-424-9240, and I'm on the web at arthdoc.com.
0: And that'll do it for us for Healthline 3. Have a great day.